Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the latest news and do one in-depth album review. This week, we will be reviewing MGMT's latest, entitled Congratulations. I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones, and I'm joined with... Uh, Kirsten Southwell, <laughs> forgot for a minute. That's, yeah, that's also known as DJ Vice. And Sarah Hager, also known as Serenade. Is there a better way to say also known as... AKA with the, with the alias of <laughs> my secret alias. <laughs> All right, let's get straight into the news. A uh, fairly uneventful news week, I will say. So we're gonna follow up. Yeah, want wah. So we're gonna do a little follow up on some of the news articles that we talked about last time. One in particular is Rob Pattinson was rumored to be playing Kurt Cobain in the upcoming biopic. Uh, but this week, Courtney Love's manager has denied rumors that he would play the part. Uh, Love has since then come out saying that she would prefer actually Ryan Gosling, more known to, uh, I guess, some of the ladies and to the disgruntled, disgruntled guys. as uh, <laughs> Or the, the guys that were forced to go or the, the Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They were disgruntled because they were forced. As the male lead in The Notebook. And James McAvoy, who is uh, the – he was the lead – and see, I'm not a movie expert. He was the lead in Wanted, among other things. Oh, he's cute. <laughs> I've never seen either of those movies, actually. And actually, if you're wondering what you know these guys look at in comparison, you can check out DJ One's Five Facts from the Past Week. This will be the latest edition. Uh, we're recording on the 20th of April. So go back to the Friday before the 20th. Wait, wait. See it there. Who's the other guy? So I got... it was Ryan Gosling and James McAvoy. Those are the two guys that are expected, or the two that Courtney Love has since come out and said she would prefer to play the role of Kurt Cobain. Matt Type in Jared Leto. I think he looks a lot like him actually. If he was to dye his hair, I don't know. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Google but images. actually, uh, I'll talk a little bit Sorry. more about what Love said. Love came out and even said. Uh, the idea of Rob Pattinson playing Kurt Cobain was stupid. Where did it come from then? Where did the rumor come yeah, from? Yeah, where did it start? I have no idea. It's probably a bunch of people being like, you know what would be stupid? Rob Patterson <laughs> Rob Pattinson was Kurt Cobain. Pattinson. She was like, that's just wrong. No offense. Let's tell everyone. No, but she came out pretty, pretty, you know, f- I don't want to say furiously, but she kind of laughed at it. It's like, like, ha ha ha. Why would Rob Pattinson ever play Kurt Cobain? I don't know. All right, because he was my husband, and how dare I ever be with a Twilight star? Yeah, really. Maybe that's what's so st- like. Why are, are people taking this so personally? Like, I get that he is a Twilight star, and that there's twelve year old girls with his shirtless, glittery abs on their walls. I don't like. Is it that big of a deal? Well, I could see how Courtney Love would take it personally. I mean, it's a biopic about Kurt Cobain, who um, they're very close, of course. Having a child and being married and all that, and you know, touring together for several years and all the crazy stuff that happened with their relationship. So I could see how Courtney Love would take this very seriously. But for the normal fan, I think it's more of a this is interesting. Let's get more out of this than the original. Do you think? Because I I don't personally think if that was my story, I don't know if I would want to make a movie. I I know we've kind of talked about this last week, so we might be killing it. But yeah. I don't want to. I, I would consider it to be her private life. Yeah. I don't think she's actually going to go see it if it 
ends up coming out. I mean, she's been talking about the project for quite some time now, so I think sh- there's a definite interest to to chronicle his life somehow. I mean, there have been a lot of other great biopics done about musicians um, and done very well. Yeah, recently. Recently, there's, too, yeah. There's a new Jim Morrison one coming out. So excited. I who's, didn't know about Who's that. playing Jim Morrison? Um, it's just like Not actual Val Kilmer clips. again. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's real clips. Um, they're kind of ma- like mashing it together, I guess. Okay, so it'll be more like uh, when Scorsese did uh, No Direction Home, which was the Bob Dylan biopic, but it didn't cover his entire career. It just uh, covered up to the point of his motorcycle crash, and I can't remember the year that was done with. I, I did hear about that movie. It's great, but man, it's long. Is it's it? About, it's about four or five hours long. Was wow. that really well advertised? Because no, it wasn't. It wasn't really advertised at all. But on another note, there was a I, I wouldn't say biopic in a, the traditional sense, but it was uh, "I'm Not There." I believe is the title. You can look that up. Who typey, is that? Typey, typey, type type. But uh, it was f- several different actors playing, uh, Kirk, not Kirk Cobain, playing it? Bob Dylan throughout his life. Like Kate Blanchett even plays him. Who were some of the other actors? Yeah, that yeah. Played yeah. Him? Uh, Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, Marcus Carl Franklin, Richard Gere, Heath, Heath Ledger, and Ben Ben Whishaw. I promise. Yeah, they all played him in that. So that wasn't the a traditional. The girl did the cigarette part where he's in the interview, right? Yeah, I mean, she did. That was so good. She was amazing. She was actually nominated for an award for that part. That's interesting. No, She looks just like him in it. All his mannerisms. It's really good. Sometimes you feel like that when I associate movie deals with something, sometimes I really think about it from a monetary perspective. Okay, yeah. And... I guess for that reason, morally, I wouldn't want to sell my dead lover's story just because I would feel like it was a sellout. But nobody really seems to have this moral objection. Does nobody else see that? I don't know. I think it's more of a case of this person is important and we are going to honor them through making this film. And At uh, least that's what I could see uh, a good reasoning behind this being. I could see that for Bob Dylan, like things like this for Bob Dylan. But if this one's, uh, I think it's kind of funny that. Courtney Love has such an influence in it. She has a new album coming out soon, actually. Whole. Oh, all right, let's 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 completely let's, let's no, move no, on. it's not completely off topic oh, because okay, she's <laughs> back this up. No, she's in the news talking about it, so she's in the news again. So it's like, let me talk about my late husband, and my album's coming out. Subtly, we we might be trying to bury a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, we might be pushing it too deviant. far. This is just. Speculation tell the Kurt Cobain <laughs> slash Courtney Love fans. Don't send us hate mail. I'm just I'm just putting that on the table. I like their music. All right, so <laughs> let's move on. Now this is uh, similar to uh, an article that we spoke of last week, and it is Antlers are releasing a free EP entitled New York Hospitals, and they did so alongside the music video for uh, one of their singles off their last album. And this is another interesting argument about where artists are believing their music should be published and for what price and just that entire debate. And I was thinking about it even more. And one of the things that I thought of is these people are coming off of these smaller labels. They're not just coming straight from from a, you know an EMI or a Sony 
or one of the bigger label companies. But that could be a very, very plausible reason for why they are incredibly willing to just release music at whatever they deem is worthy. It, how much? How much is it for you? It's said? zero dollars oh, and zero cents. It's an EP that uh, are releasing. I missed that in the note. Wow. So, so I think it's more of a, a mentality shift than anything else, or not maybe so much a mentality shift as just kind of this idea that's perpetuating throughout people who are signed on smaller record labels. Do you guys have any anything else to add to that? I think there's. I like seeing the definite switch from. The industry holding the power to the artist holding the power. For sure, yeah. And so I think it's encouraging. I I don't know. I, I think this is very similar to the discussion we had last week, which was about why people would put free music out on the industry and what's what's more correct to charge money and downloading. And I think it's just kind of um, reiterating the same thing, but I... I guess it really it it shows a lot of character I think to their fans when they say no guys it's really it's about you and not so much about making money. Yeah, so this is something that I think you're, we're going to see more and more of especially as you have smaller labels become bigger. So you have those merge records evolve over the better part of a decade. So that's something I could definitely see happening with more and more people who are gaining uh, more and more notoriety over the years. What what happens then? Napster comes back, or no, no, they're still gonna they're still gonna uh, form different ways of turning profits off of music. It's not like artists are just gonna give away their music for free, at least not in the typical sense of the you know word. They might release it alongside something, uh, or turn back to vinyl. Vinyl's becoming popular again. Do you think that there is? Because some some artists have come out and blatantly said, we don't care if you download our music in the sense where you have LimeWire. I don't even know what the modern-day file-sharing ones are. But do you think that they have a personal interest, like, come to my website and then download it from my website. You know it's safe and you know you won't get any viruses. And maybe, you know, there's an incentive that they're coming to their website, maybe look at merch or something, or it'll at least in, increase their advertisers on the website. Yeah, I could definitely see that coming up. Radiohead did something similar. I think we mentioned that last week, but I there's a trend, but Radiohead had its a solid fan base that was going to follow it no matter where they went musically. Right. But eventually they published in rainbows on a, a record label. And so I think I don't know. But do you see what I'm saying? Like if they come to the site, if advertisers know, hey, Radiohead's playing or putting out an album and, you know, thousands of people are going to visit this page. Maybe that's an opportunity for these artists to actually make some money without influencing the listener. A lot of artists are using Facebook as that actually like become a fan of our band and you'll get a free download or free video. Right. Or join our mailing list or something. Like you, I don't. I don't think you'll ever see stuff like this. At least not the. I mean, you'll see the join our mailing list. You know, watch our videos from larger artists, or not from larger artists, but from new artists that sign with large record companies. Like uh, I'll point out, Ellie Goulding, she signed to a major record label, just released her first album, what in the UK a couple months ago, and. I mean, I don't think I could ever see her just giving away music for free, mm-hmm. or at least her own music. It would have to be some marketing idea by by a, a person at a 
you know, in the record label that's higher up, but I don't really see that evolving as much. Well, it kind of makes the people that give out their music have a certain role model persona like Radiohead, you know, he doesn't care about money, but Meatloaf does because he still charges for his album. So. Yeah, but I don't know. This is a weird, a weird position. All right, and just the final news story that that came up: uh, Supergrass, the uh, fairly popular British band, is calling it quits after the better part of two decades playing and recording together. Uh, they reference it and call it a seventeen-year itch, I guess, jokingly. Uh, they were currently working on a new album, and they are they will be making the breakup official after the you know after they finish up their upcoming tour. So one thing that I thought is I'm a big fan of Supergrass. What will an American audience take away? Because Supergrass doesn't typically play to that American fan base, or at least they haven't. If you ask uh, an American who Supergrass is, they're probably not going to know. I don't know. See, that's yeah. one of the things. I I was automatically involved, at least earlier on, uh-huh. in the British music scene. So Yeah, I heard DJ Ones is huge in Europe. <laughs> not not gonna respond to that. No, Got it. All their farewell shows are in Europe. They're not like paying attention to those other fans across the world, across the seas, like DJ ones. <laughs> but one of the things that I try to take away. See, I'm not responding to these stupid comments. <laughs> one of the things that I try to take away is uh, what are the lasting impacts that bands are gonna have on just music in general. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to tell with bigger names, but with these smaller names, do they really do anything that influence uh, the way that music changes over time? Have you ever known of a collection or even one band that wasn't so big but did uh, pretty big things for music over time? And will Supergrass be one of them? When you're saying music, do you mean like the entire music scene or how it in- influences it could... you as a listener? I mean, you have thousands of bands that claim that Led Zeppelin is one of their biggest influences. So you're saying a smaller band that has had big influence? Yeah. Do you think there's ever been something within a small band that has had a more profound impact? Definitely. Um, I know as a listener and like dabbling on guitar, if I hear a Led Zeppelin song or if I was influenced by Supergrass, I'm still getting that influence from somewhere. They don't necessarily have to be huge. As far as a musician that I feel like revolutionizes a scene, the only thing that comes to my head is um, of Montreal. I've, I, I actually, I, I'm not too great on my music history. You'll have to let me know if there was like a quirkier band that proceeded of Montreal. But I remember the first time I heard that, I had never heard anything, anything like that. And then... Shortly followed was MGMT, which I could kind of relate to the two together. So I don't know. Is there anything that you feel like is similar to Of Montreal that was before that? Not that I can think of right off the top of my head, but I'm sure there was. And just the way that they probably weren't very famous go. then. They, Maybe. You, don't, you never know. I don't know. But do you think a band like Supercrass could have a big influence on people? I mean, they were very typical. I, I love Supercrass, but. They changed your life. They didn't change my life. <laughs> they changed you, dude. They just life. gave me some good tunes to listen to every right. couple of years. Well, I don't know. I think as far as the the nationality thing, um, I don't. I can't decide if this is relevant. Cut cut that out. I gotta look at what I'm talking about. Can I read the story again? 
It's pretty straightforward. What what happens with these guys is it's just they decide calling it quits. Uh, they really wanted to go their separate ways musically, and so that could have very well been, I don't know, one of the reasons that they decided to, or that was the <coughs> single reason that they decided to break up. So they broke up, and then what does this have to do with American audiences? Oh, do we care that Supergrass broke yeah, up? Yeah, well, I mean, will anybody care? Aside from me and maybe 15 other people. <laughs> I like the way they went out. Um, there's been a lot of bands that have just called it quits and been like, oh, sorry, we're done. But they're actually giving the fans notice, having final show dates and new material to finish off with. And I think that's a really respectable way to go out. Staying classy. No, that's very true, actually, <laughs> because you think about some of those bands that just call it cold turkey and you just think, wish we had one more show or wish we had one more CD. But as far as you talk about influences, the influences of bands, maybe it could be something that um, is upcoming, like... They could do a really phenomenal side project that could get a lot of attention and be like, oh, this member from, side, uh, you know, yeah. Sidegrass. Supergrass. Supergrass. See, so I, I, I do not know this story. It's okay. <laughs> we cut me out of this one. This is really embarrassing. No, I will not cut you oh out of this gosh. one. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have to. I didn't even read the email. You're going to have to live it up. Oh, karma for all the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> karma for all the tweets. <laughs> All right, let's super great. Let's just one one more thing to talk about. Uh, the week that we are recording this is the week following Record Store Day, which was bum 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 to us last Saturday. Right. I went out and spent way too much money. Does I? And I know there were a handful of people that went out and spent too much money. But what what do you guys take on Record Store Day? I didn't know what it was. I wish someone had told me because it was it just vinyl records. Or, yeah, pretty much, pretty much only vinyl. I have a vinyl record player, and I'm kind of on this uh, lifelong dream goal to collect as many Paul Simon slash Simon and Garfunkel albums as I can get my hands on. I have three, so I'm not doing so hot. So Neither, I kind of yeah. wish I knew that. That's cool that there's still kind of an industry for that. But every year, uh, this record store day was thought of... Uh, I think 2003, if I'm not mistaken, around 2003, 2004. But the idea was, let us have a day where we promote independent record stores. And over the past couple of years, and this has been increasing over time, other artists have been jumping on board and doing special events, releasing special singles or EPs or, mm-hmm. or entire full lengths. They'll do wacky colors on their vinyl just to make it look <laughs> uh Nico Case... Uh, they had a re-release, or I guess just another release, of her last album come out, and the vinyl was entirely clear. Cool. Uh, Phoenix really released uh, the Fences single on vinyl, and it's entirely pink. That's. Uh, are they still doing the thing where if you buy the vinyl, you get a free download? Some people do that. It, it really depends on the artist. And that's so appreciated. That's awesome. Because for someone like me that has a record player, and they still make record players... You get the best of both. You get to feel like a hipster while you're listening to it on your vinyl. <laughs> and you also can play it on your iPod. With your V-neck shirt. Yes. <laughs> With your V-neck shirt. What did you buy? What records did you buy? Uh, let's see. I, I bought seven, I think, seven. I bought Spoon Transference, uh, The Wigs in the Dark. I bought Phoenix's Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. I bought Dirty Projectors, Bitta Orca. I brought the single, the Phoenix single. Uh, Vampire Weekend Contra, and I 
Oh, and the reissue, uh, it's the 10-year anniversary reissue of Modest Mouse's The Moon in Antarctica. So what you've just said to me is those are all new artists. And yeah, wh- rather, so pretty much. What do you do? Do you, not, do you have a vinyl record player? Yep. Oh, you do? Okay. So it's, I think that's really neat. We have an Of Montreal record at my house, but that's the only like, relatively new moderately one. Moderately new? Yeah. Uh, okay, well... So what know. I'm wondering is, with all the technology that we have to make the sounds as perfect and clear, like everything from auto-tune, whatever, um, what makes you guys keep on going back to the vinyls? Uh, it's it's a better experience overall. When you come to sound quality, vinyls uh, produce just better sound because what happens when you create it digitally is you're compressing the sound. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of audio waves gets compressed. So you're just not going to get the same sound quality, no matter what happens to it. CD has worse quality than vinyl. MP3 has worse quality than a CD does. That's just the, you know, that's just science. It's <laughs> a fact. I forgot the DJ ones wrote science. I didn't write science. <laughs> he wrote facts though. Five of them each week. Oh, <laughs> well, I think that there's the sound appeal because I do enjoy hearing when you can hear the difference. I think something's wrong with my record player though because it always sounds no. a, a, a little bit of a different pitch than what I know the sound to be, mm-hmm. the song to be. But to answer your question, Sarah, I think there's a lot of kids out there that agree with me that whenever your parents were about to throw out that giant box of records, you almost cried. <laughs> And save them in your room until you went to college and could afford to buy a record player. So, I think it's really great that there's enough of a crowd that appreciates this to, you know, have that day started um, by Chris Brown in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, computer. Yeah. Well, and Chris I, Brown. I think a lot of people think it's really that the idea of vinyls. If you don't have a vinyl player, is just plain novelty. And it, I don't know. It's such a weird. I but I like to say that I was. Buying records before all the hipsters started buying records. <laughs> DJ One started that trend. He I, eats I hope hipsters. So. <laughs> I don't want to hate hipsters. I said eat. Nom nom nom. <laughs> I don't. I don't eat people either. Just hipsters. Um. <laughs> well, I think there's there is though what I could see there being a more social appeal because a lot of the time it kind of goes backwards. You think. When somebody gets a new CD, if somebody gets a new CD and they can put it on their computer, somebody says, hey, let me grab that MP3 set from you. And that's kind of your social interaction there. And then before the MP3, it was like, hey, let's drive around and listen to this CD. And I, I have friends that will call me, hey, I just got this record. Can I come over and listen to it? And it's just kind of a different social interaction to think about. Definitely, yeah. My thoughts. My thoughts. Any any other thoughts before we move on? Vinyl for life. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. I love vinyl records. <laughs> I I just get I'm so afraid I'm going to break one. <laughs> I just got one trick pony. If I I'm so afraid that one of my roommates is just going to like completely destroy my record player. It's okay. You'll you'll be fine. All right, let's move on to our music <laughs> review. Once again, you are listening to Sound Off WKNC's daytime music podcast. Uh, this week, we are reviewing MGMT's latest, entitled Congratulations. Now, this is their third album. It's their second, if you just know them by MGMT. Uh, you could call their first by, they were the management, they were an entire. Uh, they're releasing it off of Columbia. <laughs> so, let's get 
uh, just first impressions on MGMT's congratulations. Me? Yeah, why not? Okay, let me find the note. I said, well, first I will say when this came out, there was a lot of excitement, but there was immediately a lot of backlash. I heard a lot of negative things before coming to this album. But despite um, this, I thought that this isn't the MGMT we're familiar with, but I feel like because it was different, it was a really great showcase of their variety of talents. And I thought it was good. That was the point. Sarah? Um, it definitely has that signature hypnotic, eerie MGMT feel, but it's definitely different as well. And I think one of the first things that you notice is it's not made for radio. It's made for them. So that shift in audience was for sure. really prominent first time I listened to it. Like it? Dislike it? What? Like it, but not as much as Oracle's particularly. Oracle's, you didn't like it. Uh, I didn't know what to think coming into this. I heard the single, which is Flash Delirium, and really enjoyed the single. Uh, we we all came into WKNC post the fallout of MGMT hate just because it was getting played so damn much. Right. So we came in after that. So I think we have a different perspective than most people, at least uh, that at the station. hang around at the station a lot. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed this album Quite a lot too. Uh, it's, oh my god! Oh, uh, what are we going to argue about? Oh my god! Oh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would agree with about every point that's been made so far. Completely different, uh, and I'd say every way possible. This sounds absolutely nothing like oracular spectacular. There are those if, psychedelic moments, but it's a different type of psychedelia. If it had to be compared to one song off of that album, I think it sounds like Weekend Warriors the most. You know what's funny is I was talking to somebody at School Kids on Record Store today. They mm-hmm. picked up uh, Congratulations on vinyl, and I said, "You know, this sounds nothing like Oracular Spectacular. What, what do you think about this? Were you diehard fan of that?" Or, and and the ladies was like, "I I like this album as well, uh, but the funny thing about Oracular Spectacular is she wasn't crazy over those big hits that we all know, like Time to Pretend and Kids. Mm-hmm. She was." really a big fan of those kind of obscure hits that people didn't know so well. Right. So I think that's an interesting development that's been taking place. But what I really thought is this this album has kind of a focus that it just goes at the entire time and and it keeps some consistency. Although the songs do lack variety in some sense. So I really did appreciate that fact. I mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I took away that I thought was was really good about the album. Now I do have some grievances, uh one of which is it just really seemed paced oddly. It just. I don't you know. mean from I, song to song? Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. would have reordered. And so for those taking notes, I wrote down my preferred reorder. Go. <laughs> okay, go. All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say the the number of the song, not so much the title, just because I can't remember. All right. So I would go one, two, four, five, three, six, nine, eight, seven. If that's your winning lottery number, please call the station. <laughs> no, but that's 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 the order that I would have pasted in because the way that I saw it, it just kind of jumped around a lot. It and did, and that it wasn't was a, smooth transitions that, Yeah, at and all. that broke up things quite... I don't know. That was really one of my biggest grievances. Also, not a big fan of that 12-minute song. It just kind of just lasted forever I loved, and ever. I loved it. 
It should have been like three songs, but I loved it. No, if it was three songs, it would have been fine. But the fact that they smashed it as one 12-minute song, well, it, it felt really long. It just felt as if it went on long. Now, good songs that are eight, nine, ten minutes, they don't have that feeling that, oh, my God, this, this song is really long. You get that feeling that, oh, this is great. This is giving me a new experience. And you don't even realize its length. I had to happen... With but, an album I reviewed not too long ago. But those but. transitions that you were looking for are found in that song. It's just you are conscious that it's all one song. Yeah, <laughs> what's the what's the difference if it's an 11 minute? You listen to the whole album. No, it just felt really long. The one song, in my opinion, felt as if it went on a bit too long. It, it should have been three different songs. The song before it was three minutes. So the transition from that was a pretty big jump. I wrote... For that song, I have plenty of time to take notes. This is, I, I want to read it to you. Siberian Breaks. Whoa! Acoustic guitar. Jazz. My favorite song. Song is sweet. Uh, nothing feels forced. It's very clean and light. Oh my god, 11 minutes long? <laughs> Dreamlike. Violins. Super stellar beginning and end. Worth listening to entire thing. It's funny. The first thing I wrote down to was, doesn't begin with synth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought... On that note, that the biggest difference, I think, between this album and their last one is it is way less electronic. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. definitely. That's easy to see from the very beginning. Yeah, that first song, it sounds... I feel like it's less polished overall. I, I don't know if they're going yeah. for like a lo-fi feel because you think of that, like, I, I can hear the kids, like, that little riff is just so clean i i think they tried to dirty it up the sound a little bit yeah and i think it's a little less weird than the other one you look like you disagree a little less i think it's a different type of weird i don't think it's so much less weird just a different type it's an it's a different mgmt area of weirdness and i said it might be um more digestible for a broader indie audience that weren't so pop, you know, fond of the electronic dance hits. I don't know, because the original one was just so easy to take in, and it just got praised by so many different people. Right. So, I, I, don't, I don't feel like this is comparable to that original one when it comes to being able to digest it as one piece. I think... Oh, go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> Thanks. No, you hang up. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing about it, though, that I noticed is... The songs from the last CD got stuck in your head, like that kid's riff, like, don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I hear it. Like, you don't have to sing it. It's okay. Yeah, it's already in your head because I said kids. But <laughs> on this CD, nothing got stuck in my head um, the first time through. And I think that it shows that they made it for an art piece, not for that radio, let's get everybody singing along. Like, they Dancing. did it for them. And I guess that's kind of what I'm going for the, for this because when you hear songs like that, and when you hear, oh, what's that song that was on that sex drive music or movie trailer? Those things just kind of, you, you want to listen to it. Like, right away, I want to listen to that song, which I think a lot of people really like that appeal. But at the same time, I feel like this album is lying lower. Like, this isn't going to be, I, I wonder, if, did Time to Pretend ever make it on, like, commercial radio? Uh, I don't know. I'm Maybe sure not just for the FCC violations. Oh, yeah. Choke on our vomit. Yeah, that'd do it. <laughs> but I think I think it was very fairly popular among more commercial stations than anything else. 
Or in clubs. I, I or in clubs. Or clubs remixes of it all I the time. I heard it in Charlotte Russe. There you go. I mean, that, that actually doesn't really say anything. I guess, can I change topic? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to bring up a few points. You just tell me which one you like. I found a whistle. I thought it was going to be really stupid just because of the name. Um, but it, it was kind of intriguing. I, I didn't really get what it was saying. I wanted to look up the lyrics, but I never had a chance. There was one lyric that I thought was interesting. It said, real emotion's a drag. And like Ooh. the whole thing had this like eerie, suicidal feel to it. Yeah, the pistol at the heart thing. I remember that. Yeah. And then also um, this Brian Eno song. Is that I, I? I thought it was talking about the music industry. Tell me if I'm wrong. And also, Lady Dada's nightmare. Does that uh, does that not resonate with you? I I totally thought it was like something to do with Lady Gaga. There's no yeah. words in the song. I didn't like that song either. I, I didn't think it was strong enough as an instrumental. I didn't remember it when I went back through to make comments. I don't know. This is such a. I don't want to say strange. Let's talk about it. But it's a different piece, and it's harder to take away things from this than from the last album, just because it's so different. Uh, but I think they do a lot of the little things right instead. Uh, when I talk about doing the little things right, there's one part towards the end of Flash Delirium, which was by far my favorite song on the entire album. And so there's one thing that happens towards the end of that song, right before he starts basically yelling um, but he sings over top of this kind of layered vocal and this drum starts coming in. And I, I go, love that yes, that is, that is something that you're doing that seems fairly small, but is, mm-hmm. it just they, shows how, how well the song is. They do that a lot in their songs where the, they'll have a complete like halt and change of play, pace, like a slowdown. There was that one song, Brian Eno, where there was like, it almost had this punk vibe to it. Did you feel that? Somewhat. It was really uppity. It was cluttered, I felt. Yeah, yeah. And then it just stops, and it's got this little harpsichord little riff. I, I always enjoy that in music. Speaking of stuff stopping, though, freaking Flash Delirium just abruptly stops at the end. It does. Bothered it ends very cold. So much. Like, it left you wanting more, but not the good kind. Like, the song's not finished kind of feel. Were there the know. songs you guys didn't like? Were there songs I didn't like? Yeah, any specific ones you really didn't I, like? I already said I wasn't too crazy over... Siberian uh, Breaks? Over Siberian Because breaks. it was long? Or no, just... It, just felt, it just felt long. Someone's missing... Um, it it seems more like a filler song to me. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I agree. I, I wasn't too crazy over I Found a Whistle as well. I mean, that just seemed pretty mundane to me. It just kind of drags on for a little bit. I wish I could have listened closer to the lyrics of that one. The, the, I had a few problems with some of the songs at first. The um, the second track on the album I, I wasn't too crazy about. And then the Brian Eno at first I was just like, oh, this is hard. And then after that kind of break, you, you feel more, uh, you know, you've tested the waters with it. It's right. more welcomed after that. So maybe the second time I listen to it completely through, I'll feel differently. I wouldn't so I wouldn't go so far as giving this uh, an absolutely glowing review. I've listened to much better albums this year, but I I enjoy it. This is nice to sit down and listen to. Uh, it's not too difficult to throw out whatever preconceived notions of this band that you have because they won't apply to this album, and they they do so in a way that 
potentially could alienate a fan base, but overall they're doing something different. Yeah. And they do it well. I've really only heard negative things about this album. Except that their album art was cool. (laughs) Just from word on the street. So it's definitely true to that psych rock though. And I don't know, I think like I said earlier, the whole creepy vibe that they're pretty known for is true. There's definitely an element of the of creepy. this isn't something I would like put in and sing along to, but it's something I'll definitely listen to again. Which is, I think, a different place for an audience and, mm-hmm. because, like you said, the first album, totally, everyone was all on that. And I I don't think this is them digressing. I really just think it's showing them we can write an album full of radio hits, but we can also, you know, I think, like you said, Do create something. an art piece. Yeah, more experimental. Right. All right, so let's get to uh, final impressions. Just to sum up some of the things that we've been talking about so far, although we we just did in a little fashion, but Gosh. if we can do it in a more uh, coherent terms, we could have talked. We we've talked much longer when we disagree. This <laughs> shit was <laughs> more talk. That's about. very true. All right, is it my turn? Yeah, go ahead. I would buy this album if I don't already have it. Uh, I think people that truly appreciate the entirety of the last MGMT album might find a place for this. I think they, if you don't rely solely on electric field kids and time to pretend, I think if you appreciate that entire album, you'll, you'll find a place in your heart for this other MGMT one. So, yeah, I, I'll agree that if, if you're a big fan of the sing along songs from the last album, you shouldn't come in with the same expectations, but I think it's definitely worth a lesson, and it's a good representation of music beast industry. It's not party music. I want to reemphasize that. Okay, w- once again, I'll say this: this is the best album of the year that I've heard. But it's a very, it's a very good album. Um, throw all your expectations for this band aside because this is completely different. And uh, well, not all your to, expectations. I say throw everything. Expect out. that they're a good band because if yeah. you liked their first album, you kind of you know they're talented. Sorry, I totally okay, just interrupted well, your no, final that's thought. Fine. No, I see your point. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Expect that they're a good band. I, ex- I don't know. So, but, uh, but people will come in with their own personal bias about the band. So. Right. Okay, so yeah, throw out your biases. <laughs> just just try to take it for what it is. Basically. I totally just invaded your final thought. You did. I'm Thanks sorry. a lot. All right. Our final thoughts. I think that'll just about do it for this episode of Sound Off. Once again, I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. You can catch me every Tuesday from 11 to 1. And I'm Kirsten Southwell, also as DJ Vice. I am on Mondays 5 to 7, and I help out with the Americana Show Saturdays 10 to 12. And I'm Sarah Hager known as Serenade 628 on Sundays. There's a post-rock block that you should check out. Once again, you can email us. We are soundoff at wknc.org, or you can tweet us up and read all the ridiculous facts, or not even facts, they're not even moderately true. You heard that? Facts. You hear that? Facts. No. all, all the, You heard it here. All the <laughs> fictional things that... that Kristen puts about me on the Twitter streaming. We are at WKNC sound off all one big word. Um, next week, I do believe we will be reviewing LCD sound systems. Latest. This is happening. And just for future reference, we're going to be recording a couple shows 
every week just because it's that time of the year again where uh, finals are coming up. So we won't be recording normal shows on the uh, the week of finals, but we'll have some recorded beforehand. You know that's the week of my finals, right? You know that, right? <laughs> you're well. You're weird. No, all my pro- all my everything's due for me this week. That next week. No, no, okay, we'll talk about it. I'm gonna be DJ ones up. Okay. I'll be taping it and posting it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if you want to send us your recommendations for what album we're reviewing, what news articles we should be talking about, sound off at WKNC.org. Kirsten is like doing a little <laughs> suicidal thing. With this is a weird podcast today. I hope, I hope we didn't. It's, we- it's it weird because we all agreed. It was weird because we all agreed. I feel like my head's in a different universe. Probably is. Aww. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> DJ ones can travel through space and time and get it back. <laughs> and now he's off to do that. <laughs> we're going to wrap this one up, everybody. You wanna, do you want to do the stupid sound off no, thing you again? Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut we your mouth it. when you're talking to me. We named it sound off. We named it that. You know, you were there for it. And <laughs> Wait, we're just not going to talk about it. We can't sound on. Don't so. wave your hand Go like ahead. that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Signing off or sounding off for <laughs> WKNC sound off. That was extremely effective. No, no. I'm going to keep it just like that. All right, thanks sound for- off. Bye.